Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. stars and wish we welcome you to the 12th episode of a court of swish and flick this episode is sponsored by annie thank you thanks annie, annie. Thanks. hey annie you're okay <laughs> <laughs> annie, are you okay i'm sure you don't hate that at all if you know what we're talking about um my name's tiffany oh i'm katie that's me and, I, <laughs> and i'm sarah Today, we will be discussing chapter 11, ding, of A Court of Thorns and Roses. The ding is because I like the number 11. Do you? Me too. I do. It's like the best day, wouldn't you say? I'd say it's even better six months later than when you love it. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends. Because if you like us, I really hope that they do too. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and Twitter at ACOSAF. That's A-C-O-S-A-F. If you'd like to su- support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash A Court of Swish and Flick. Supporting us keeps us going and you get exclusive, you get access to our exclusive Facebook group and Discord channel, which we are doing live recordings now. Um, and our episodes come out early for patrons as well. They'll be posted to Patreon the weekend before. And thank you all so much for your support. If you want to send any questions, concerns, etc. to our email, you can do that at a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. Well said. Thank you, thank you. So the little blurb of last chapter was that uh, Feyre saw her dad skulking around the gardens. <laughs> Snooping, what's he gonna find? Looking for some gold? He's not a pirate. He's looking for her. He's Don't pirates look for gold? Sure, but like, why? He's not why? a pirate. Why? Why ask why, Tiffany? I don't know. He wanted some roses, so. This is no better place to come and get some flowers for a nice bouquet. Okay. What? Don't panic. Ferris father is here? Question. Daddy Archeron's in the house. Daddy Archeron. Daddy Archeron. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> she wished that she had stolen some food. And she's like, I'm going to have to make this journey. We're going to have to go. So she starts layering on tunic after tunic. Stuffed her knife into her boot. Quote, my father. My father had come to take me, to save me. Whatever benefits Tamlin had gi- had given him upon my departure couldn't be too tempting then. Maybe he had a ship prepared to take us far, far away. Maybe he had somehow sold the cottage and gotten enough money to set us up in a new place, a new continent. My father, my crippled, broken father had come. Foreshadowing Ayo. to the future of wings and ruin. Um... Whilst we know that this is not her father, right. her sister did go back for her. Nesta as much did, as people yeah. hate Nesta, you're wrong. She's the best. Thank yeah. you. Welcome to thinking, my TED Talk. I, <laughs> I was thinking about that today. Like, a lot of people like to hate on Nesta. And although she's 
Like I I like Feyre a lot. Um, but I also really like Nesta. Elaine, I don't know you yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> But like Nesta's not a bad egg. I think I think because She's hardened. She's rougher around the edges than Feyre is. And I think that some people like to dismiss that. Uh, that doesn't make you lesser just because you're mean. She just has some trauma that she needs to work through. And she tries. But she yeah, tries. at least she goes back for her sister. You can't say the same about other people. So, like I said before, this is could be foreshadowing to the future. When um, he actually shows up at the end of Wings and Ruin with three ships named after his daughters. Um, you know, that's real nice. But the lead ship. So it's called Zaddy. <laughs> zaddy. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's a Zaddy. No. Helion, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Reese can be now, too. Let's go. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about Feyre's father. His name is Mr. Archeron. (laughs) (laughs) A man who was in the merchant business. Um, so they had a pretty good financial position for a while until he ended up making a bad deal and they lost everything. And that's why his leg is the way that it is. Um, because of that bad deal unfortunate how old was favor when that all went to the pooper like eight i think yeah pretty young um well she's 19 or maybe her mom died when she was eight um it but it's been a while since yeah. her dad has had his leg issues right right okay so favor checks out the grounds below no one's there the house is silent so she has a chance so she shimmies down the trellis of Wisteria to the ground below. What's Wisteria? I'm glad you asked. It's a plant. Um, it blooms vigorously in spring. <gasps> hey, spring. It's also a produce... crayon color. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that must be in the big pack because I don't remember that it's color. Makes me. You would know. You would know the count of crayons. <laughs> what did <laughs> What did Megan call cerulean? Oh, what did, yeah, what? Cerulean, cerulean, cerulean. It made me think oh. of we were <laughs> my cousin was telling us about speaking of like looking at words that you don't know how to pronounce correctly and saying it wrong in your head. She she thought Gibraltar was Gibbletrar. (laughs) (laughs) Was what? Gibbletrar. (laughs) Who? Nora. (laughs) So funny. That's amazing. Oh, God. Okay. Um, so Wisteria, like I said, blooms vigorously in the spring, producing clusters of lilac color flowers on new growth, which in turn emerges from spurs off the main shoots. And when it finishes flowering, often in June, we don't know if it's deep or not, it's time to prune. <laughs> you gotta take care of you your prune Wisteria. You prune in June! Prune in June. <sighs> but yeah, it's pretty. 
So Megan isn't here, but I wanted to know if that would be a Megan approved flower. Um, I think that would be an approved flower. It's pretty. I think it would be too. I have to click on it. It's pretty. Looks just it's like the pretty. crayon. Oh, that's pretty. It looks like it would smell really yeah. good. Yeah. So inside the house, Favorite could see that the candles from the hall were burning, but there's no movement going on. She doesn't call out for her dad as she watched him limping towards the gate. If they left, if they had horses, they might be able to make it. So her father reaches the gate and and it's already open and he turns towards her, beckoning for her to hurry. So her heart is like raging in her chest. It's like the feeling is in her throat. She's only feet from him now to freedom, to her new life. And then a massive hand wraps around her arm and it's Tamlin. Claws popped out, poking through her many layers of clothing. And she looks at him and he says, going somewhere. Here's my question. If they poke through her clothing, did they poke through her skin? <clears throat> Maybe. Or was he able to control say. it? I know. But like, that's pretty freaking close. True. Like you've obliterated a fork. You punch holes in your upholstery and in your face. Like, did you control it right now? So you just poked her clothes and not her skin. Is it like a threat? You know, I, th- I truly think he's he's so like not in control of his act like because he doesn't let himself feel enough so he's out of control it trying to be so controlled does that make sense he's yeah i get it mr Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> favorite is terrified she doesn't dare move and he looks like he's holding back and she could see his jaw quivering and fangs in his mouth quote he was going to kill me kill me right there and then kill my father. No more loopholes. No more flattery. No more mercy. He didn't care anymore. I was good, as good as dead. And so Favor begs a little bit. She says, please. I breathed. My father. Well, joke's on dun, you, ma'am. Dun. That ain't your daddy. Um, Are you doing your wife's part, too? Yeah, I'll do it. That's fine. So sure. Tamlin says, you might want to look <clears> again. <throat> and Feyre whirls around. Wants to tell her father to run because, again, she thinks that they're both going to die right now. But he's not there. Um, instead, there's a bow and quiver and arrows propped against the gate. And then they kind of, like, ripple like they're made of water. And suddenly it's a large pack full of supplies. And then it ripples again and it's her sisters huddled together and crying. And then again, and her father's there again, like, still beckoning him, beckoning her towards him. Um, beckoning and they're described as flawless (laughs) renderings um and tamlin says weren't you warned to keep your wits about you that your human senses would would betray you he stepped beyond me and let out a snarl so vicious that whatever the thing was by the gates shimmered with light and darted out as fast as lightning streaking through the dark yes ma'am tamlin calls her a fool and tells her if you're going to run away at least do it during the daytime and his little fangies slowly retract, but those claws stay popped <laughs> out. And he the says, claws. Pop a claw. He says, There are worse things than the bog prowling these woods at night. The thing at the gates isn't one of them, and it still would have taken a good long while devouring you. Um, Yum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I like... That's probably what Reese is thinking after chapter 55. Mmm, good soup. Good soup. 
Um, again, I like that Feyre doesn't back down here. She just says, can you blame me? My crippled father appears beneath my window and you think I'm not going to run for him? Did you actually think I'd gladly stay here forever, even if you'd taken care of my family? Offer some treaty that has nothing to do with me and allows your kind to slaughter humans as you see fit? You go, girl. Mm-hmm. Tamlin seems like he's trying to get a little control over himself. Like, he kind of flexes his hand to try and get the claws to retract, but they don't because, as we've stated, he has zero control over himself. And he asks, well, what do you want? And she says, I want to go home. And he says, home to what exactly? You'd prefer... Th- say, it, say it right, Katie. What? I want to go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm tired and I want to go to bed. <laughs> I had a little drink about an oh, hour no, no, ago. No. No? No. Well, I'm Katie, doing Jaws. Katie knows what I'm talking about. What are you doing? I'm doing Jaws. SpongeBob. I want to go home. No. Come on, Sandy Cheeks. All right. <laughs> no, I'm Jaws. Sandy Cheeks or bust. Uh, so Tamlin says, home to what exactly? You'd prefer that miserable human existence to this. Okay. Like, he has a point, but like also doesn't at all because... I know she didn't, like, have it... I mean, she had it terrible in the human lands, but, like, also she was a free human being, so not being held against her will. We could also point out the fact that uh, she lived, like, 19 successful years in the human lands and doesn't even, like, make it a year in the fairy lands before she dies. (laughs) That's a really good point. (laughs) True. Fairy lands. Are you so much better? (laughs) Your people killed me. Like... (laughs) But then they brought me back to life. Um, it made me a superhero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so finally, Feyre spills the beans about her promise to her mother, which we know because we are inside her head, but she finally like says it out loud. Um, this promise that she would look after her family, take care of them, and she says, all I have done every single day, every hour has been for that vow. And just because I was hunting to save my family to put food in their bellies, I'm now forced to break it. Um, So Tamlin says, you're not breaking your vow. You're fulfilling it. And then some by staying here. Your family is better cared for now than when you were there. So Feyre is picturing those chip paintings inside their cottage. And she's thinking perhaps they'll forget who had even painted them in the first place. They're insignificant. All the years I gave them is, is just insignificant. Um... And her dream of living with her father with enough food, money, and paint, that was her dream and no one else's. So she's kind of like, she kind of like goes back and forth with like her self-esteem. Like she'll like really feel down on herself and like no one actually needs me or cares about me. And then she'll grab on to like that fight she has inside of her and be like, I can't give up on this no matter what you say. Um, so even if she had been a fool, a stupid human fool, to believe her father would ever actually come for her. Foreshadowing again. Because her father mm. does come for her later on. Um, and Tamlin tells her, you're not giving up on them. They're cared for. They're fed and comfortable. And all this time, Farrah's feeling guilty. Because here she is like living this life of luxury. And she's stuffing herself with good food. And she's still under this Im- impression that fairies can't lie. So mm. if this is true, quote then it was beyond anything I'd ever dared to hope for. Her vow to her mother would be fulfilled, and she's, like, too stunned to speak right now. So she sa- And the woman was too stunned to speak. Mm-hmm. She says, my life, to herself, my life was not owned by the treaty, but perhaps I'd been freed in another sort of way. 
So maybe this is kind of like a turning point for how things go in this book. So as they head inside, Feyre finds her voice and she asks where all the sentries are because she's never seen them. She doesn't know it, but she's glamored. They're uh-huh. all over. And I kind of like to think of them watching her like sneak around and try to find her father. That's not her father. Oh, I feel like it's like just like picking a wedgie in the hallway. <laughs> right. For yeah. real. <laughs> Thinking you're alone. <laughs> um, Tamlin tells her just like a lame excuse. He just says they're at the border and that they don't need sentries while he's there because he is deadly enough. And she tries not to think about it and then asks him, like she did Lucian last chapter, if he was trained as a warrior. And he says yes. He spent most of his life in his father's war band on the borders, training as a warrior to serve him and others. And we find out that running these lands was not supposed to fall to him. Which seems to be hmm. a trend with the High Lords these days. Who else? Wasn't Reese not supposed to be... No, he was always gonna. He, who else would it have been? I don't know. I thought I apparently his father wasn't shit. supposed. I, like, like because it was just him and his sister. And oh. then by the time he becomes High Lord after his father's killed, his mother and sister are already dead. You're right. Um. So, I don't think his father. I think not that his father didn't want him to become one. His father didn't want to not be alive. Basically. Hmm. So he probably thought he was a better. Um, High Lord than Reese would ever have been. But one, I don't think that's true. And two, he's dead anyway. So so Feyre does want to know what happens because she's a nosy bee sometimes. Uh, But it's too personal and demanding to ask. So instead she decides to ask what other fairies are in the woods if the bog isn't the worst of them. And then she asks, what was that thing that kind of made her think that her dad was there? Um, and she says, what I meant to ask was, what would have tormented and then eaten me? Who are you to be so powerful that they pose no threat to you? So Tamlin tells her it was a puka. It's P-U-C-A. They use your desires to lure you to a remote place where they slowly eat you. And he guesses that it smelled her human scent in the woods and followed it to the house. I'm going to see if the wiki says anything different. It probably does not. Um, What did this remind me of? I'm trying to think. No, I can't remember. Mm. Oh, it kind of makes me think of like the Mirror of Erised. I know I'm making a lot of Potter references, but kind of, but like in a, well, no, I guess that could be a bad way too. Yeah. It doesn't eat you, but it does like, it could consume your mind. Drives you crazy. Yeah. Um, so Tomlin. Uh, Tomlin? <laughs> Who the hell is Tomlin? <laughs> Tamlin. Good old Tomlin. Tamlin oh. offers a little more info. He says that the lands used to be well guarded. The deadlier fairies used to be contained and monitored um, or driven into hiding. And creatures like the puka would never have dared to step foot here. And then he says, but now the sickness that has infected Prithian has weakened the wards that kept them out. A long pause, like the words... Do you think it's... Sorry. Do you think it's just the wards? Or do you think it's the wards and, like, the fact that majority of people are, like, under the mountain? Probably. Could be. That's how, like... I mean, I guess they said wards, but I always assumed... Where are these things if they're not, you know, on their lands? 
I would assume that like each, uh, like, so it seems to me like the puka is staying like maybe in the, the foresty parts, um, of like the spring court. So like maybe each court has like its own little monsters that, they just um, keep them stay like, there. contained in a certain area. Yeah, and then of. like you know you have like the kelpie and other things that are like right. specifically in like those parts. Yeah, you know. Okay. I I don't know. I'm just assuming. It makes sense to me though. Sorry, Catherine, for interrupting you. You can continue. Okay. I'll allow it. Thank you, ma'am. Um, there's a long pause, like the words were choked out of him, and he says, "Things are different now. It's not safe to travel alone at night, especially if you're a human." So Feyre, of course, is like, "Well, what's different now?" And Tamlin just says everything. So then we switch to inner monologue and favorite says, so I truly was to live here forever. Yes, ma'am. This has been the thing for a couple chapters now. <laughs> the whole time. Well, she's only been there a couple of days. That's true. I feel like sometimes and it's kind of cool. Like the way that she's written, we are like, so in her head, you'll go, you could go like, sometimes almost pages before there's like dialogue you know what i mean because you're just so wrapped up in her head which is really interesting so like it almost feels longer Mm -hmm. than that um that's what like part of like when i try to like figure out the timeline i was like a little bit mind blown because this first book from the from when this book starts to when um mist and fury starts like that's almost a year like yeah because it's you don't see she only has one birthday before in like the first trailer like the first three books and you don't even get to see it because she doesn't even want it acknowledged um because it's the winter solstice and other things are happening and so she doesn't have one with her family that we see so it must start after that so this entire first book is almost an entire year because it starts when it's wintertime where she's from mm-hmm. and then it ends uh, like fall, winter, whatever, because she goes through the solstices, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then she's under the mountain for three months. And then Wings and Ruin, or like Mist and Fury and Wings and Ruin, it's all within another just one year. It's insane to me how quick it yeah, goes. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that is fast. Especially because those books are not small. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Quite thick. That's some detail. A lot happens in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Where she like goes from being with hating hating Tamlin, loving Tamlin, hating Reese, loving Reese, being with him, and then that part of the war is over. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It all happens in like a year and a half, a year. Yeah. So quick, it happens quick. Mm-hmm. Um, now that she doesn't have the weight of her promise anymore, she describes herself as feeling hollow and empty. Um, so I think she's just trying to like find like what is my purpose in life right now. Uh, for the next three days, she joins Lucian on Andrus's old patrol while Tamlin hunted the bog. And Lucian doesn't really seem to mind her company. He's described as the occasional bastard, though. Um, he did mm-hmm. most of the talking, and it kind of left Feyre to brood on the consequences of firing that one arrow. And during those three days they hunted, she actually never fired a single arrow. Again, we know she doesn't like hunting. They had even come across a doe and she couldn't bring herself to shoot it. It might not... A deer? Yes. A female deer. It probably didn't help that Lucian was like, well, at least this one's not a fairy. Thanks, buddy. Mm. He's such a dick. Mm. And Tamlin wasn't around the manor. He was hunting the bog day and night. And Pharaoh's a little relieved by that. I don't blame her. 
I don't need those Honey. claws popping out of me. You should probably remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Tamlin's out, you know, doing what he does. <laughs> and Fair kind of points out and out loud to Lucian that he's worried about Tamlin. And this is from the book. It says Lucian slumped in his seat, wholly undignified for a fey lord. Tamlin gets into mood. AKA the man has anger and control issues and he needs some therapy. And I said, also I like the contrast of how Lucian like is acting right now and like slash really sitting while it's Tamlin is there versus like when he isn't. And it just makes me think of like the casualty of um, the inner circle and how their family. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how like different, like they even interact with Reese who's like, yes, that's their high Lord. But like, they don't, he, he very, very rarely even just pulls rank on them. Like, um, I think the one he gets mad at, at Cassian, Cassian or Azrael, Castor, Cassian, I think, because he like gets his <laughs> Casriel. <laughs> That's their ship name, and let me tell you, love it. It's not Assian. Um, <laughs> I think it depends on who you ask. I think if you ask Cassian, he would say they're Assian. That would be there. That would be it. Um, and Azrael would be like, we don't have a ship name. Like that's not a thing. Um. But I, I think that he uh, he gets mad he gets mad at Cassian because Cassian essentially is like willing to like risk his life and like Reese is like yeah, it's not ha- like we're not having this conversation he like pulls rank on him um, which very rarely happens because they are so close and and it's it's I think in this part like you, you just see a whole different you get like a whole different snippet of like this is how Tamlin runs things and this is how Reese runs things. Um, and so Farrah then asks that, um, Tamlin doesn't want help hunting, but Lucian says that he likes to be alone and that, um, after he shreds the bog, he's probably going to be brooding over it. Um, that it's like in his lands and saying like how the puka is a different thing. And that's not something that would really bother, um, Tamlin. And then from the book, it says, and there are other, um, and there's no one who can help him at all. And then Lucian says he would probably shred them for disobeying his order to stay away. Um, and there's parts of this where I can see Reese doing these things, but a lot of it, I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. like, I think depending on who he's around, like he might, sh- well, he doesn't shred. He mists. <laughs> but like, if someone from like the court of nightmares, like disobeyed him, like he's going to show, like he's going to punish you kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But like with, with his specifically his inner circle, like that's not how they operate and that's not how things are going to be run. Um, and even with people like in Valeris, like he just treats them a different, he doesn't rule like with an iron fist where it seems like that's how Tamlin does. Um, and it says a brush of ice slithered across my nape. He would be that brutal. Lucian studied the wine in his goblet. You don't hold on to power by being everyone's friend. Amongst the fairies, lesser and fae, high fae alike, a firm hand is needed. We're too powerful and too bored with immortality to be checked by anything else. And it seems like a cold, lonely position to have, especially when you didn't particularly want it. I wasn't sure why it bothered me so much. Um, and, like, there are parts of that that, like, Reese does do. And I think we really see it when he does um, the... Uh, when he deals with the court of nightmares versus like when he is dealing with other people of his court and then like kind of dealing with like the Illyrians, like he just sets the tone for both the court of nightmares and the Illyrians were like, 
Yeah. Like I'm in charge and this is how we're doing things. Yeah. And like, like there is no other option. That's Um, more fear based than. Yes. And I think that in those instances, because those are the people that are going to push back because they always have, and they always will. Right. Um, Especially with the Illyrians and their barbaric treatment of the females of the, their people. Uh, Well, I guess they're not people, but you know what I mean? The females of, of, of their group and how they all want that to be different. Um, and they don't like that because a lot of people, um, when there are people in power, they don't want the minority or not specifically the minority, but like they don't want anybody challenging them because they've always been on top. So they're going to make it more difficult for everybody to be equal. Um, and so they're going to push back because Reese and Cassian and Azrael want to change because things need to change because like, it's just fucked up. (laughs) Um, so in those instances, Yes. But then you see like, he doesn't do the whole tithe thing. He really treats like a lot of the people, like you see him really being like a kind, um, God, not human. What's the being, I guess, Faye in Valeris and like talking to people and like, they know his name when he goes around and he's like a patron of all of these different places there because he loves them and he loves his court. Um, any hoosies. I feel like I'm not even reading when I wrote, it says, we do see Reese being the hard hand of the night court, but we also see him surrounded by his friends. And that's another thing that Tamlin really doesn't surround himself with. And we don't know, like, is Lucian his second? Like, is he just because he set calls him the emissary? Um, and Reese is cover like he's surrounded by all of these powerful people. But God, they're not people. Powerful Faye. Uh, that, yes, they all care about the court of like the night court, but they also really truly care about each other. And I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he surrounds himself with help and then having favor being his like high lady also is helping him like do like the actual work of like the night court. It's kind of touched a little bit um, later on in the books of like, literally doing like working in their offices and doing like paperwork or whatever. Um, but we also know that he is very much the type of person or God, person, type of fae that's very self-sacrificing that's also important to know but he would also like literally shred slash mist anybody who hurts like him or his family so there's that and i think tamlin would kind of do the same obviously he like started a war over a woman that literally told him like i don't want to be with you anymore so like leave me alone and he doesn't know um what no means i guess um so fun facts Mm -hmm. So anyways, now Favor's sleeping. She's kind of having a dream, uh, really kind of a nightmare, that she's like back in the winter woods and um, it makes it sound like a magical place. <laughs> and she feels like a shadow behind her watching her. Um, and she's like staring out at the wolf. There's that wolf that's still in front of her. Um, so she's kind of like, it's almost like a flashback of that moment again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, who's that shadow? Do you think it's Tamlin or is it Reese? You know, mm-hmm. I'm always like, is it really Reese? Like, is it, mm-hmm. or I mean, really is it Lucian? Who knows? Yeah. Could be him too. So fair and the wolf, they're kind of having, having a staring contest, but she doesn't shoot it with the arrow. Um, she doesn't want to, she, she's almost like in her, in this dream she's having, she wants to make that other decision that she could have done where she couldn't, might not have shot him. Um, and so dream Farah is literally thinking like, I don't want that same outcome. I, don't, I want something to change, but it's almost like 
um, her hands like move on their own accord that she doesn't really have control over it. Um, but so she fires anyways, cause she's not able to control her hands. And so, um, she fires the arrow. The wolf is shot through the eye. Um, and then instead of like the wolf's body hitting the, f- not the floor, but the ground, I guess, mm-hmm. not, I guess it is the ground. Um, it's the body of a male, um, and it's not, it's no longer, obviously a wolf, it's a, a high fey male with pointed ears. And then the male, um, then is, she sees the male like all covered in blood cause it's skinned and she kind of like looks down and she's holding the skin in her hands and that's when she wakes up. <laughs> Yuck. So that's traumatic. <laughs> obviously things have been weighing on her. Um, so she wakes up from that nightmare. She's obviously, she's sweating. She's trying to breathe. She's trying to remember or remind herself that like the room and that everything around her, like the time it's like nighttime, it's all real. Um, and that dream that she was in seemed very realistic, but she's not like that dream. Wasn't, that's not what happened. She's no longer dreaming. Like she's awake. She's in real life. Um, but you could still see that like male, that female form, like from her nightmare clear as day. And she's trying to remind herself that like, it's just a dream. It was just a dream. Um, and like breathe, like trying to get out of that mindset. And so she's kind of thinking about the last couple of days and how she doesn't really have to think about how to keep her family alive every hour anymore. Um, like she used to, but she is feeling like regret and shame for what she did to Andrus. And I don't think, as much as like Lucian wants to push all of those things on her, I think in that time, while we know that she doesn't like hunting and we know that she doesn't like doing that, but like she literally was doing it to save her family, to make sure that they were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if she had to, she would have done it again. But I like at that time and even having, if she would have to go through it all again, like she's not happy about it. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, for survival and that's something that neither one of them have to think about because they've never had to go through that um and it's not said until like later on that she like makes a comment and the only person like Cassian's sitting at the table and he is the only one that has gone through something like that where he literally like was thrown out of his house when he was really really young not because of his mom because of the people that he lived like around the Illyrians are backwards um and he had to fend for himself for so many years until um, Reese brought him home and they still weren't even friends. Any who's sad times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's basically knows that she's not going to be able to go back to sleep. Um, so she just gets out of bed instead. And that's where the chapter ends. Um, Dramatic. Dude. So final thoughts. Toxic masculinity is real and men need to go to therapy. Everyone should go to therapy, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Not just men. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, people have some yeah. anger issues. And I like that, like, later on, Feyre uses Tamlin and Lucian to, like, propel the things that happen in Mist and, or, no, Wings and Ruin with, like, perpetuating... Um, his trust issues and all of those things and his jealousy oh, and his anger. Yeah. Um, and really she's playing Lucian as well of all of these things. Like he doesn't like that they're hunting together and he doesn't like that she's spending her time with him. Um, and she knows the man has control and anger issues and jealousy issues and a whole host of red flags. Um, so she's just gearing up 
to use them against him later on. Yeah. So Tamlin's the red flag king. Truly. 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 Mm-hmm. All right, friends. You can find your hosts on Instagram. Myself and Meg are at the Petrus family. Tiffany is at tiffswish underscore flick. And Sarah is at O'Malley. And that's with three H's. Well, it's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening and for your support. We appreciate you so much. Take care and remember, only you can decide what breaks you. Told you, I'm not good at this. (laughs) Today we will be discussing chapter 11 of A Court of Swish and Flick, except you're not. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening right now? Chapter 11. We don't have 11 chapters in our own book. (laughs) Um, We're not talking about yet last week's or like two weeks ago's episode. I'm just going to redo it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put that at the end if I remember. Please put this all at the end. I'll put a little note. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. This is what what you don't (laughs) see on Swish. Sasa unfiltered. But still a little filtered for this place. Truly, though. Like, if I... (laughs) You guys can't imagine the filth that spews from her mouth on the regular. (laughs) Fozzie's barking and I go to her, I go, what do you think she's saying? Or what do you think he's saying? And she goes, I don't know. I don't speak dog. (laughs) I don't know. So, So funny. What is wrong with you? I don't know. That's why I've been going to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Let's talk about fairies fucking (laughs) and fucking fairies. Ooh, that doesn't, that's not what I wanted to say, but okay. We said it. We're here now. (laughs) (laughs) Do I ever make you uncomfortable? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) 